Well, we are in the home stretch for our series called The Story. If that's unfamiliar to you, there's a resource that's out there. It's the, the Bible in an abridged version, and everything in it is actual scriptural text. They've just condensed it. If you've never read it, you should get it because it is an incredible resource. You should have it in your home. You should have it around that you can lend it to somebody. Maybe this idea of being a devoted follower of Christ is new for them, or maybe reading the Bible has been difficult for them, but maybe if they read an abridged version that's in a novel form, then, then maybe they would be able to grasp some things that have been elusive for them before. Each week, we've been covering one of the sessions or one of the chapters that's in the story series. It lasts for the whole Bible. We did Genesis, and then we jumped to the New Testament, and then we're doing the Gospels, and we're doing session 26 tonight, and then next week we'll wrap it up with session 27. Even if you've not come to any of the Wednesday Life groups, but you've meant to, then you should just jump in. You should just jump in on Wednesday. We've been having such a great time together. We would love to have you. All right, so let me, let me, let me, uh, there's, there's, a que- there's a question slide that's going to pop up in, in just a minute, a question slide that's going to pop up. If, if you were to guess one of the top boy names in 2023, any takers out there? Because if you, if you guess one that's going to be on the list, I got a, I got a gift card I'm going to give you. See, see what happens when there's incentives? Yeah, Sabra. Liam. All right, anybody else? Any other takers? Dom? Caleb. Christina? Joseph. All right, let's see what we got up there. Hey, come on. Liam, you got number one. And she had not seen the slides. I was like, come on. When she said it, I was like, dang. Prophesy. There you go. All right, number two, like 10 of them. Liam. Oh, no, no, let's go back. I want to read them. Liam, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, James, William, Benjamin, Lucas, Henry, and Theodore. The top 10 names for baby boys. In 2023, let me, let me just give you some honorable mentions. Names that are on the rise, not in the top 10, but moving up from previous years. Bennett, Graham, Wesley, and Miles. Miles is a great name, isn't it? I like that name. Some non-English popular names are Luca and Enzo. If your favorite movie is The Godfather. Luca Brazzi. Bible names making a comeback. All right, come on. 1980s, baby. Levi, Josiah, Cable, Caleb, and Ezra. Caleb, and someone's like, Cable? Who's naming their kid Cable? Yeah, nobody. Caleb. And everyone else is like, I don't even know that was in the Bible. <laughs> Caleb and Ezra, right? So those are pop, but not in the, not, not in the top 10. All right, let's, let's do question mark slide, question mark slide. All right, top 10 girls' names. Any takers out there? Any takers? Anybody want to guess, Scotty? Mackenzie, going for the hat trick here by family. Christina? Christina, nice. See, it should be. Andy, would your, was your hand up? Jesse. Anybody else there in the middle? Sarah. Any, any other guessers? Sophia. All right, let's see. Let's see if they're up there. I don't know if any of those are up there. Let's see. Olivia. Oh, Sophia's up there. Hey, come on. All right, Target gift card, come on. Nice, nice. Olivia, Emma, Charlotte, Amelia, I like Amelia, Ava, Sophia, Isabella, Claire, we're going to get to in a minute. We didn't know the gender of any of our kids, and so we had to pick out 
guys' and girls' names for each birth. And so Claire was our third. So we had her name and then Isabel. Wasn't Isabella was the other, other front runner there. So we talked about Isabella, but we like Isabel. But it, I, I think Claire fits. Come on. Now this one is it. I'm going to say Mia, not Maya. Anybody here with me? Mia? I think it's Mia. All right. We have a Mia at City Life Church, do we not? And then Evelyn and Harper. Top 10 girls' names. If you're pregnant, helping you out tonight. Your name search. How about, how about popular feminine classics that are coming on strong? Lydia. Natalia. That's good, isn't it? Cecilia. Eliana and Alina. Like it? Eliana, I know, it's good, isn't it? I like it. Gender neutral names have been big in 2023 for the ladies. River, Blake, Parker, and Sloan. I like it. Sloan's a strong name, isn't it? All right. And people out there taking notes? Taking notes, especially one couple that we know in particular, just saying. I said I, pro- I, I, I said I prom. I, I told the, the wife. I said I promise that you're you're uh, you're 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 telling us that you're expecting had nothing to do with this part of the sermon. This it's predated. I don't know if they believe me. Short modern names for the ladies: Is Isla, Nova, and Eden. And then surprise on the rise: Claudia, Astrid, and Simone. I like it. Okay. So how did you? Let's 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 just more time here. When, when, when you were picking out your names for your children, what was the driving factor for you in choosing your kids' names? Anybody, Greg? Driving factor. Sure, as well you should. Yeah. And was that your choice or her choice? Because we need to know who won the argument. Nice. Well played. Well played. So legacy. Anybody else? What was the driving factor? Yes. Stephanie. Yes. So, so when they're grown up, they wouldn't sound like they had a kid's name. Yes. All right. Anybody else over here? Driving factor, Raven? Oh, come on. Bilingual home. So it needed to fit both ways. I like it. I like it. Debbie? The meaning and two syllables. All right, all right, all right. Meaning and two syllables. Stan? Had to be positive. No Jezebels. That's what he meant by that. It's a little Bible humor. Was your hand up, Jamal? Yeah? Okay. Meaning and referenced somebody. So if it was a boy, it was going to be Fred. Isn't that what he just said when they have a boy? I thought that's what he just said. David? Oh, it has to see. Lyrical. Spoken word man right here, right? All right. I like it. I like it. Mixture of your own name and favorite book in the Bible. All right. That's good. Anybody back here in this corner? Anybody? Any takers? No? All right. Vanessa was laughing when this came up because when... When, when we got married and we were, were, were starting this, this, this uh, journey of are we going to have kids, obviously it's, you know, well, what are we going to name them? And of, and of course, of course, the, the way that our family had done it was going to be the way that we did it. 
And, uh, and so I was like, well, you know, let's, let's make a list of family names that you like and family names that I like. And she's like, well, why would we do that? And I'm like, because that's how we're going to pick the name. And she said, what? Which names of what? I was like, our kids. And she's like, yeah, that's not how we're doing it. That's not how we're doing it. So, so we had this long conversation. And, and, and so, so we decided we would do a little of both. We would pick a name that had some family legacy with it, and then also a name that we, that we like. So, so each of our kids have a little bit of a combination of that. There's so many different ways, right, that you can pick names of kids. There's the Bible name route. There's the pick the name that has meaning. There's the family name approach. There's the pick that you, the name that you, that you like. But in Hebrew culture in ancient times, picking the name of your child was supposed to be an incredibly significant, meaningful moment. In, in, in some, some places in, in, in moments in Scripture, what we find is that they, the child would be born and then they would name their child in a descriptive way. It, it, it escapes us a little bit, but Esau literally means hairy. So, so the, the name of the child spoke to their appearance in the world. There were some times where the name of the child would be connected to the moment of their coming. Like this one, which I like, Shahaharem. Hola. We clearly we're not going to name any of our children that. You got to be able to pronounce it, right? In one language, not just two. Shaharem. There it is. Shaharem means born at the dawn. It's powerful, isn't it? The, the, the moment that your, that your child is born in you, and, and that moment is so meaningful that you look out into the world and what, what's happening, and then you connect that moment to your, your, your child's birth. The, the other is, is, is that it is the fulfillment of a parent's prayer. Zechariah means God has remembered. How great is that? So good. Hebrew culture, the naming of the child oftentimes was prophetic. It spoke to something of their future. It spoke to something that was to come. It's a cultural significance. We're talking about names because as we move through the biblical narrative of the story of Jesus, especially as we come to the end of his life, we come to the name of a person that has significant meaning for you and for me, and let's read this verse together. It's in Matthew 27, 15 to 16. It says, Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd. Anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. Barabbas. In Acts 13, 14, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, the, the Bible goes into greater detail, tells us that the, one of the reasons why he was notorious for many reasons, but one is because he was a murderer. Cer certainly a, a man, the Bible goes into great length to say deserved to be where he was. But yeah, this is the man that the crowd cheered for instead of Jesus when the choice was given to them by Pilate. What we're going to see tonight is that that both his name and his rescue and his city all teach us something important about ourselves. 
It's one of the great pictures of the sovereignty of God in Scripture is that as time was moving forward, that God is always orchestrating events for the prophetic thread that we find throughout Scripture that speaks to us that Jesus is coming and then talks to us about our condition and why we need him. That his name is going to speak to us tonight as we'll see about our ultimate need His rescue is going to talk to us about our fundamental value, and his city is going to speak to us about our present suffering. Somebody say, my ultimate need. In in Matthew 16, we we see this conversation. We we spent some time in it last week, and Jesus refers to Peter. His his name's not Peter yet. He's getting ready to change it, but he he addresses him as Simon Barjona. Now, if you've spent any time in Scripture, you might find that repeated. There's a, a name that someone has that ends with, with Bar and, a, and, and then always a man's name. And, and so Simon Bar-Jonah means Simon who is the son of or who comes from Jonah. Me, meaning that in Hebrew culture, who your father was, the legacy of family mattered. Your lineage mattered. The tribe that you were a part of mattered. Oftentimes what you were allowed to do in society was connected to your tribe, especially in a spiritual sense. Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, the son of Jonah. Abba, Abba in Aramaic means father. So what we have here is a man, Barabbas, whose name literally means son of father. It is the most generic name that you could ever give a child. Right? We, we look at that and we think to ourselves, who would name their child Barabbas? Who, who would name their child son of father? And, and at first, there's, there's a comical response, right? We can't help. We're like, who, who would do that? But then as we, if, if, we, if we pause for a moment and, and think about it, It's really a sad story because it means that when this child was born into this world, no one loved this child enough to look at this child, at least to pay attention to see what he looked like, to make an effort to describe him as was common practice. It means that when this child was born, that that no one loved him enough to stop and pause and Take in the sacredness of that moment when that child was put on his mother's breast and there's this this moment of connection to look out into the world just to see what might be happening. Even if it was simple as whether the sun was setting a rise and to attach some meaning to this child's life. No one loved this child enough to do that. No, No one loved this child enough to stop and think for a moment, is there a cry that we have had to our creator And that possibly the birth of this child fulfills. No one loved this child enough to do that. See, when we stop and think about who Barabbas is, that he is the very first person that Jesus rescues, how more perfect could it be that the hopelessness even of his name speaks to my spiritual condition? Of all the people that God could have guided through time to be in that moment. It is the person who has the name that speaks hopelessness to the world. What was it like for him every time he introduced himself? How about when he was a child and every other kid that's running around 
has a name with meaning that is descriptive or connects to a moment or is the fulfillment of a promise, and yet he has to introduce himself as I am son of father. But in all of his pain, and all of his emptiness, God was using as this prophetic thread of imagery that's moving through time to bring him to a moment so that when we see the very first person that's rescued by Christ in the world, that we would all see ourselves in him. Because there is a hopelessness, regardless of what our name is, that we carry in this life until we meet Jesus it's powerful, too, because his name speaks to what's about to happen. It, it, it tells us that the son of the father died for every child of every father. It's powerful, isn't it? That his name literally means son of, son of the father, and yet the person who's going to step in and die in his place is the son of the father who dies for all of us. And, and then we look back and we find that whoever gives him his name, whether they knew it or not, the Holy Spirit whispers that into their ear. And that name attaches to this man. And he becomes one of the most profoundly prophetic pictures in all of scriptures. In fact, what we find is that the incarnation of the incarceration of the incarnation is the coronation of my salvation. Right, the, 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 the Jesus stepping towards death is me stepping towards life. Je Jesus moving towards captivity is me being moving towards liberty. It, it means that Jesus, the one who was willing to posture and position himself in a place of suffering, enables me to posture and position myself in a place of freedom. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In my Bible reading plan this morning, I was reading in Hebrews chapters 8 and 9 such powerful texts and scriptures that speak to the reality of what Jesus did for you and for me, his, the very name of this man speaks to me about my need for a Savior. Somebody say my fundamental value. We, we, we see that in, in the rescue of Barabbas, Jesus stepping into captivity so Barabbas can be set free is, is a powerful picture for us because it's, it's, it's demonstrating for us the value of something. Each of us, if you're a homeowner, I'm assuming other cities do it too, but in, in, in Newport News, we all get this little card, right? And on this card, once a year, it, it, it comes what's called a tax assessment, where they have compared the value of your home to other homes around to come up with a number. We, we, we got ours recently, and, and I read it to Vanessa, and Vanessa said, Wow. Our house is almost, since we, we bought it in 2014, it's, it's, our house has almost doubled in value. She said, I wonder if we should sell it. I said, no, we should not. Because then we have to find a house to buy. And all of the values of those houses, right, have gone up. But, but the idea is, is that the, the value of something is understood to a degree by what someone's willing to pay for it. 
It's, it's like when your kids get old enough to play video games. And, and you get them the video game for Christmas that costs $800.25 just for the game cartridge. And then they play it for three months, and then you go to GameStop. Is that still a thing? It was when our kids. And you turn it in for store credit, and they give you 52 cents. Right? Because the value of it is, is what someone's willing to pay for it. And, and when it first comes out, everybody's willing to pay astronomical amounts of money for something. Right? But then in just a little bit of time, it's not so new anymore, and, and it's not the one that necessarily everyone wants. And so the value, because what people pay is what it's worth. If you've ever traded in a car, sold a motorcycle, or a boat, or any, any other item, jewelry, antiques, you, you, you realize that may, maybe the value that you assign to it is higher than what it's actually worth, because what it's worth is what someone's willing to pay. When you take that principle and you begin to think about our lives, I hope you see yourself as valuable in the same way that God does. Because Jesus' death was setting the value of humanity by the measure of his own worth. So, so when we read John 3.16, which is so popular for us, right? It's power. For God so loved the world. Sometimes we hear these verses so many times, we stop hearing them. But never stop hearing that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish and have everlasting life. Don't, don't forget the first part of that verse is just as powerful as the second part. The first part is God saying to us, I have assigned value to you. And I want you to see how valuable you are to me because your value is measured by the price that I was willing to pay for you. And that price was the life of Jesus, his one and only son. It's so important. We talked about this just in a spontaneous moment a few months ago that we must never confuse the difference between meaning and value. It's so important. Our work, it gives us meaning. Our hobbies, they give us meaning. Relationships give us meaning. Time we spend in church and relationships, it gives us meaning. There's all kinds of things in this life that we chase after, that we reach for, and that are good, that are healthy, right? It gives us meaning. Those little fried potato tots at Venture Restaurant in Hampton give me meaning. Thank you. If you've not had them, you're missing out. We were there just last night. We were like, Lord, have mercy. Manna from heaven right there. We might actually start using them for communion. Just little fried tater tots. Little fried tater tots. There would be a, this church would, would, we would be a church of a thousand in a day. All because of a potato. Things and experiences give us meaning in this life. You have value because you are in this life. If, if you are a parent, you, this is so important. You, you must instill this in the heart of your child. You, you've got to help them differentiate between the two. Because if not, people will be lost in emotional turmoil, Christian or not, all of their days. I know there's been time in my life is the, the meaningfulness of the work that I do as a pastor. There's been times where, where that has, I've conflated that being my, my, my value. Th those are dark places where you end up eventually. 
We, we have value because we are, because we live, because we have breath. When, when you're raising your, 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 your children, make sure that you never equate their bad behavior or their wrong attitudes, right? You with me? With their identity. Meaning and value, they are not the same. You and I have value because we are. And the measure of that value is seen no more clearly than when we look at Jesus on the cross for you and for me. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 reads this way. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God, God. God wants us to understand when you're trying to appreciate the value of who you are, then look at the life of Jesus himself and the price that he paid through his death. My fundamental value is measured by the life of Jesus Somebody say, my present suffering. So we look, we, we see, right? His, his, his name speaks to us. His, his rescue speaks to us. And, and what I believe also is that his city speaks to us. Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' death was in utter chaos. When we think about it from the disciples' perspective, just Days before, just weeks before, they were the rock stars of Jerusalem and all of Israel. They would show up into a town and crowds of thousands would gather. Thousands. It's estimated that the feeding of the 5,000, that was just the men alone. It was probably three, four, five times that number if you added in the women and the children. Crowds that were, they, they would still even be today by today's measure, massive. They would fill stadiums, the biggest stadiums. Those are the, some of the crowds that Jesus would minister to. Right? The disciples coming in, people would see them and there would be an excitement. There was this sense of the most important people in our world are with us in this moment. But then Jesus is arrested. And then the unthinkable happens. Jesus dies. And now all of a sudden, these people that were once sought after because they were famous are now being sought after because they're thought of as criminals. The disciples went from being celebrated to being hunted. They went from parades to safe houses. The crowds that once praised Jesus were now cheering his death. From Thursday night until Sunday morning, these followers of Jesus, they hid in terror. The, the place of Barabbas' freedom and the shift from what was and what now is, I think, gives us great clarity for our own present suffering in this life. I'm going to invite the band to work their way back up. See, whenever there is a shift in my context... God is preparing me for change in my character. Whenever there is a shift in my context, 
God is preparing me for change in my character. The greater the shift, the greater the change. The greater the shift, the greater the change. If you believe like we do that that something else was about to happen 50 days later from Jesus' death, from Passover to Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out, Part of what I believe was that through all of this turmoil, through all of this persecution, through all of this suffering, God was making the disciples ready for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What I'm going to argue to you tonight is that all of this turmoil was by God's design because he was rooting out things inside of them to make room for the Spirit that was to come. Have, have you ever considered that their suffering, their time spent languishing, their time spent wrestling, made room in their hearts for the measure of the Holy Spirit that God wanted to pour out? Was it, is it possible that there was still just too much humanity inside of them that needed to be displaced to make room for the Holy Spirit that was to come so they could go out? and fulfill the mission that had been assigned to them by Jesus himself. Because if you believe that was true for them, then maybe that's true for you. What, what, what are you going through right now? Maybe you, you came in here tonight and, and you come in and the word crisis maybe resonates with you. Maybe you come in here tonight and, and your situation feels, feels upside down. When you overlay this story with your story, remember this. God is using your situation to make room in you. Displacing what doesn't belong. To make room for a greater measure of himself. For the power to fulfill a divine purpose. Let me read that again. God is using your situation to make room in you. Displacing what doesn't belong to make room for a greater measure of himself, for the power to fulfill a divine purpose. Stand with me. Father, we know that Scripture is an incredible gift to us. It teaches us a history that we need to know teaches us principles that we need to live by. But we also believe that Scripture is a compilation of writings that's unlike anything else that exists in this world. That It is supernatural. It has the ability to impart things to us. It has the ability to shape us and change us and heal us and restore us and, and guide us. In fact, in the Bible, Holy Spirit, you, you inspired the writer to say of itself that it is alive and active in the King James, quick and powerful. Like a two-edged sword, penetrating to dividing soul and spirit and joint and marrow. 
So as, as we sing the song tonight, Holy Spirit, may, may it be that the words out of Scripture that we have shared tonight would impart something to us. Maybe there's somebody that's here tonight or watching online that, that something in their heart needs to stir about their condition. Maybe they've been living their whole life with this ache deep inside their soul and have never thought about the possibility of how much they need a Savior. Maybe that there's somebody here tonight and they've lived too many days too many months, too many years conflating the idea of meaning and value, maybe tonight you're going to impart to them a new revelation, a new understanding. They're going to see themselves in a new light. Maybe for others that are here tonight, they just barely made it here. Maybe they just barely were able to find the strength to log in and join us in our online community because their situation and their circumstance just feels desperate. Tonight, God, would you not overlay this story that we have shared with their story? They even know that they might feel like hiding, that they too would know soon coming that their Pentecost is right around the corner, that there's an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, there's a change in circumstance, there's a breakthrough that awaits for them that there is a calling and a commissioning for a divine purpose. There is work that you have called them to do, which is part of why they're here. We pray that for them tonight, that it would be like Easter morning all over again. The idea that Jesus is alive, the idea that hope has come, the idea that circumstances can change, whether or not the people around them change or not, you're not dependent upon that. That you can step into any of our circumstances in any of our situations and make things new. Oh, that we would let you in. Oh, we would turn our angst over to you and find the hope that you give us in turn. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.